our scripture reading is from Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month, God says the angel of Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greetings this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be the child you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him a throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, Since I am a virgin, and the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I thought about that verse again this week as uh, our family of faith here at Cypress Street uh, mourned with the Eads family as they lost Brittany Eads this, and, uh, this, just recently this last week and, and had her service yesterday. And how, uh, what a, a precious reminder from our Savior Jesus that even a sparrow, when it dies and it falls to the ground, doesn't fall apart from the loving care and attention of our Father and how much more precious to God are we. God has been encouraging us with this do not fear uh, theme through this series, yes, but he's been encouraging humans with that ever since fear entered the world with sin. And we talked about how in the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, the very first time this word appears comes immediately after that as God seeks them out in the garden and they're hiding from him because they were afraid. And so we've talked about different reasons that we're afraid and we've looked at different instances through scripture where God approaches people who are afraid for a variety of reasons and says to them, do not be afraid. And today is our last week as we look at this Christmas story, this angel's message from the heavens to a young woman named Mary, 
God called her to something unique and special. A role that she didn't see coming. I believe that God still calls people today. Still calls ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I believe that you are such a person. I have lived um, in fear of such a call for a lot of my life. I don't know if that's a common thing or not. I think it is. I don't know if we normally think of it that way, but I think a lot of us would admit to being afraid of what God might ask us to do if we opened ourselves up to the possibility that God might call you to do something outside of your comfort zone. We read stories like this about Mary and we think, well, I'm glad it happened to her and not me. (laughs) It's pretty scary if you think about your life being upended that way. When I got to college and began to look ahead to the rest of my life, I think a lot of people uh, in that season of life deal with some fear of the future anyway. But I was wrestling in particular with, would I yield my life to God? Would I say to God that I'm available, whatever you want me to do, sign me up? And that seemed like a scary thing to me. I went to a Christian university where there was all these other students that just felt convinced that God was calling them to this or that or the other. And some of it seemed terrible to me. And I thought, what if God calls me to something like that? that I don't want? (laughs) What if he takes my hopes and dreams for the future and just says, yeah, Neil, that's nice, um, but I've got this assignment for you. And the one that I tended to picture, and still to this day, it sometimes haunts me. I don't know why I picked this one out of a hat. I guess I just thought of the furthest place from home and the furthest place from my comfort zone and language and everything that I could think of. But I just had this thought in my head of what if God calls me to a slum in Southeast Asia somewhere for the rest of my life? (laughs) As if God would pick me for that. I'd be be the worst at that job. (laughs) I don't know what it is that scares you about opening up to God. Maybe it's just A fear that if you open up to God and listen to God, he won't ever say anything. Or maybe it's a fear that uh, he'll ask you to do something you're just not willing to do. But know that you're not alone. Because even Mary, when the angel came to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. She was afraid. And who would blame her? I mean... When angels show up with that kind of greeting, you know there's trouble brewing for you. (laughs) Right? You know God is up to no good. (laughs) Or he's up to something so good, but it's scary for you. I mean, your life's about to be upended. When God says, greetings, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you, something's about to go down in your life. And so maybe that's why the very next thing that the angel said after Mary said she was greatly troubled was do not be afraid, Mary. But I just want to take a second and let's just dwell here for a minute. 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words. That greeting. Greetings, you are highly favored of God. The Lord is with you. And she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I just want to point something out for a second. Because sometimes we read scripture and we read all these stories about everyone from Moses to Mary. That just have these incredible stories. God shows up in burning bushes or sends angels or, you know, they part red seas and they call down fire from heaven. And we're like, what is, who are these people that have these interactions with God? And, and we, you read in scripture and you think, wow, this was the norm for them. They just walked around, you know, having these amazing interactions with angels and God and power from on high and and it's easy to forget that this is the highlight reel. The, the Bible is the highlight reel. It's kind of like modern day social media for history. You know social media, how it works. Oh yes, there's a few people who post everything that they do all day on social media. You know, getting a sip of sweet iced tea. You know, and you're like, thanks for sharing. Uh, there's, there's those people, but for most people on social media, they post their highlights. This time of year, you know, they post the picture that turned out best, where everyone was smiling. They don't post the one where the kids are melting, you know. They post the highlight reel. And scripture is the highlight reel of faith. And it's easy to forget sometimes that every single day of Mary's life before this moment was an ordinary, regular old day. She was just like you or me. She had no interactions with angels. You know, she washed clothes. She cooked stuff. That's what women did in that day. She had family and friends. She got in arguments with her siblings. She had hopes and dreams for the future. She had a a fiancé she was engaged to. She was doing, you know, regular fiancé stuff. Getting on Pinterest every day trying to decide what kind of wedding decor she wanted. How many bridesmaids, how many groomsmen. It was just ordinary life. And if you think about it, that's how most every day was for every person you read about in Scripture. Even someone like Moses. Where you have all these stories of what he did. Or Elijah, you know, and all these guys. We've got all these stories of incredible things. But most of their days were spent like your day. Sleeping and waking up, getting sick. Getting better. Eating lunch. Take a nap, go to the bathroom, you know, the everyday stuff. Their lives were ordinary. They were ordinary people, like you and me. But on rare occasions, God asked them to do something a little out of the norm. Asked them to participate in something that he was doing. Something special. And I believe that God still calls people to do such things today. And sometimes, yes, it's big and life-altering. And sometimes it's, yeah, I need you in Southeast Asia. Sometimes it is big. Sometimes it is, I need you to carry my child. That's a, that's a one-time only deal <laughs> for all of human history. Sometimes it is that. But more often than not, it's, I need you to speak some encouragement to this person. 
I need you to speak some truth to these people. Uh, that happened to one of our circles leaders just last week on their way to church. It happens. Sometimes God asks you to do something. Sometimes he might ask you to put your career on hold and stay home with your kids. Sometimes he might ask you to start a new career other than the one you plan. Yeah, sometimes he does that too. Sometimes he might ask you to turn your place of work into a holy place where people can meet with God. Sometimes he might ask you to change your family tree, pass on a heritage of faith that maybe wasn't passed down to you or pass it down in a different way. And yes, sometimes he might call you into ministry, some kind of volunteer ministry or bivocational ministry or full-time ministry or missions work or whatever. That happens too. But I believe that people who are willing to answer the call of God can still hear the call of God on their life. And Mary, it says, the angel said, Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And I just want to one more time point out this greeting of you're favored by God and the Lord is with you came after a very long series of ordinary days in her life. She was favored by God before the angel ever showed up. Before anything miraculous happened in her life, she was favored by God. The Lord was with her before the angel showed up. So is it possible that even though no angel has showed up in your life, you are favored, that the Lord is with you? In fact, my statement today for us, if you'd like to fill it out in your note card, this is it. Fear not the call of God. You're the kind of person he favors. Fear not the call of God. You're the kind of person he favors. Now I know that that deserves some explanation because that's a pretty bold statement. I mean, how do I know whether you're the kind of person he favors or not? <laughs> I guess I don't. What kind of person does God favor? And does someone even have control over that? Or is it just arbitrary, whatever, whoever God decides to favor? I can't claim to have all the answers as to exactly what kind of person God favors and whether or not you have much control over that, but I think there are some things we can say from Scripture about the kind of people that God favors and specifically from this story because it's a great example. One thing we can say about the kind of person that God favors is that they have some humility. They don't tend to be the kind of people that answer the angel 
Yeah, I've been waiting for you. <laughs> I knew I was meant for great things. Took your time, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, I've been waiting for greatness for my moment for a long time, Lord. <laughs> I'm pretty talented. Got a lot of abilities. Put me to use. I'm, I'm ready to roll. Put me in, coach. <laughs> no, they typically are like, I think you got the wrong guy. I think you got the wrong gal. I got nothing. Right? Remember Moses? Uh, maybe you should have talked to my brother. He can talk. <laughs> That's not my thing. Or Mary, who's greatly troubled, thinking, why is he calling me favored? What does he mean the Lord is with me? What's he about to ask me to do? I don't feel prepared. <laughs> the kind of person that finds favor with God tends to be someone with a dose of humility. Humility is a hard thing to cultivate, but I think you can. I think it's possible. We see this humility in what Mary said when she said, I am the Lord's servant. That a more literal translation says, I am the Lord's female slave. They tend to change that word slave in our Bibles because we carry American slavery in our heads rather than the ancient form of it, which is just a different ballgame. So maybe servant's better. But the idea is, I belong to you. May your word to me be fulfilled. Other translations say, let it be done to me as you say. Your way, God, not mine. There's a humility in that, and there's something else. Something else we can say about people who find favor with God that I think is consistent across Scripture, when we look at God's interaction with people, the people God favors, one, they're humble, two, they're submissive to God. They're willing to say, okay, if that's what you want, then I'll submit my hopes and dreams and my plans to your plans. May it be according to your word and not mine. It's like when uh, Jesus modeled this for us, right, in the garden. When he said, Father, if it would be your will, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. It's as though he's echoing the words of his mother. May it be done to me, as you say. I am the Lord's servant. There's a humility and a willingness. And I think that anyone who has any of that finds a certain amount of favor with the Lord. If you have any humility enough to say, you're God and I am not. If you have any willingness to say, you know what, I'd be willing to put my plans on hold and, and go your way, God. If you, if you lead me in a different direction than what I've got planned, you know, sign me up. I'd rather have it your way than my way. If there's anything in you that, 
that says that or even, I believe, wants to want that. You know, sometimes that's step one. You're like, you know, I don't know if I'm there yet, but I want to be there. I want to have that kind of humility. I want to have that kind of willingness to say, God, whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you want from me, sign me up. I want to be there. That's a step one, isn't it? I believe these are the kinds of people that God favors. And the people that God favors, God calls. And the people God calls, He is with. He's with them. You don't go it alone. You don't end up in a Southeast Asian slum because God called you there without Him being right there with you. You don't end up anywhere. You don't even end up in a conversation about your faith with someone next cubicle over without the Lord being with you. You don't get there, or you shouldn't get there, without the knowledge that you are favored by God. If He showed up and asked you to do something, guess what? He's shown favor, and He's with you. Fear not the call of God. You're the kind of person He favors. I want to say just something real quick about cultivating humility and cultivating a submissive heart. Um, one way that I've tried to cultivate humility in my own life, and I, I awakened to this several years back uh, when my Mimi, out of the blue, said to me, I think she was standing in the kitchen <laughs> at her house, and she said, you know, Neil, um, God... I don't remember exactly what she said, but it was something along the lines of one thing that God really seems to value above everything else is humility. Uh, and you know that you might have a pride issue when your Mimi tells you you need to work on humility. <laughs> I don't know how I got there from being totally insecure in middle school and high school, but somehow in college I, just, I decided I was all that in a bag of chips. I don't know. For whatever reason, she felt the Lord prompting her to share with me that God really values humility. And ever since then, I've thought about humility a lot more. And even recent, in recent years, I've wrote down some verses on note cards. And you can do this kind of thing, too. You might not want to use note cards. You might want to use your phone or whatever. But sometimes when I need to work on something, I do something to try to keep it on my mind, right? So... I wrote down some verses a while back that just humble me. So, like Romans 15, 7 says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. And I thought about that, and I'm like, you know what? I had, I had nothing going for me that God would accept me, and he, yet he did. And so I need to be accepting of others. And, and that was a humbling thing for me. There's a, the 103rd Psalm that says, That as for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. And when the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. Now, if that doesn't humble you, <laughs> a comparison to how you're like grass, then I don't know what does. But it puts things in perspective a little bit and reminds me that it's the Lord who is God. It's He who is eternal. 
It's his loving kindness that lasts from generation to generation. Or Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 that says, For it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not earned by any works that you've done. And these things remind me, and so I can think about them, I can pray through those, I can kind of meditate on those things and be reminded of them. And over time, yes, over a long time, it begins to change the way you think about your life and about yourself and about other people. What you make a habit of thinking about affects what you believe and who you are. So you can cultivate humility. Not by trying to be humble, because that just ends up in one of those deals where you're like, I'm so humble. <laughs> it just doesn't work, right? It doesn't work just to, I'm going to be humble today. <laughs> but you can think thoughts and memorize scripture and carry them with you so that you cultivate a thought life that's thinking the right kinds of thoughts, the truth about yourself and who you are and who God is and who other people are. And over time, that changes what you believe about yourself and about others and about God. And, and that can cultivate a humble heart. And I think you can also cultivate a submissive heart or a submissive will. You know, when we, we throw that word heart around a lot, in Scripture, the word heart has to do with the center of who you are. Your will, what you what you will. You can cultivate a submissive heart by practicing submitting. I think parents have an important role to play in that. If your parents didn't teach you to submit, you can still teach yourself when you're older. It's just harder to learn things when we're older, isn't it? We can still do it. Don't let them tell you you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It happens all the time. But parents and grandparents have an opportunity with kids. You know, I was thinking about this story about Mary and how young they say she was. And I don't think, you know, the odds aren't good that she just happened to turn out as the kind of person that God would favor without her parents or some adults in her life pouring into her and teaching her humility and submissiveness a willingness to submit to authority right kids who are spoiled rotten you know would say to the angel yeah what's in it for me <laughs> am I going to get candy out of this deal you got any Christmas presents come on <laughs> sweeten the deal So, yeah, submissiveness to authority can be taught by a parent or grandparent, and it can be learned by us. It takes some self-discipline. It takes some practice. There's actually, you know, people who talk about spiritual disciplines and how we grow in our faith talk about a spiritual discipline that doesn't get talked about a lot nowadays, but it's the spiritual discipline of submission, which sounds terrible and cultish or something to us. But the idea is this, that 
you determine that you're going to put your, uh, your priorities, your preferences, and you're going, to, you're going to take those things and you're going to submit them to someone else's authority. Uh, scripture talks about marriage as an opportunity for this practice of submitting to one another. It talks about church as such an opportunity where we submit to one another instead of demanding our own way all the time. Well, no, this is, this is the color of carpet that we need. And someone else says, no, red is the holy color. So we're going to make the carpet red. You know, churches have split over less things. I bet you'd have less discord in churches and less discord in our homes if we would practice the discipline of submitting to one another. It doesn't mean sacrificing what you know to be true or right or just. It just means laying down your need to have your own way all the time. And we can practice that with one another, can't we? Quite easily. <laughs> Nothing lets you practice that quite as much as having a couple kids in your house, I've found out. They think that we get our way all the time. Like, kid, you have no idea how I would spend my time if there were no you. <laughs> you have no idea how good I once had it. I'd be sleeping right now. <laughs> so we have opportunities to grow in this area if we take advantage of them. And we work and partner with the Holy Spirit. We can grow into people who are more humble than we are now and more willing to submit our preferences to those of others and ultimately to those of God. And as we grow in that, this idea of God showing up and turning our world upside down becomes a little less scary. And we can almost dare to believe the angel when he says, fear not. You're a favorite of God. The Lord is with you. He has a special job for you. Fear not the call of God. You're the kind of person he favors. I want to close by daring you to pray a prayer. To pray, we could call it Mary's prayer, even though other people have prayed something like it. It's a prayer that essentially says, God, I'm available. It's a prayer that says what Mary says, may it be done to me, or let it be done to me, as you say. It's a scary prayer. It's a scary prayer for us because we're still clinging to our own plans and our own dreams for our life. Our own idea of what we want. And the idea of turning that over to anyone is scary. That's why it's scary sometimes to get married. It's scary to have kids because 
you know you're going to be giving up some of your dreams, some of your plans. You're going to have to somehow compromise or submit to one another to make this thing work. And that can be scary because you won't always get your way. And nothing gets scarier than submitting to God because God could ask anything. And here's the deal. You almost have to say yes considering what he's done for you. Someone who laid down their life for you, who went to the cross for you, who left heaven to take the body of a a little baby to be wrapped in this fragile flesh that we wear, to leave all that glory behind and, and walk our dusty roads, someone who was willing to do that for us, they could ask anything of us. And how would we possibly say no? And so it's scary. It's scary to pray a prayer that says, Lord, I'm available. Let it be done to me as you say. It's a prayer that you can pray whether you're young or old whether you have a lot of decisions about your future ahead of you or whether you're coming down to what you feel like is maybe the end of your road. It's a prayer that someone in school can pray. It's a prayer that someone in a nursing home can pray. Lord, I'm available. Have your way with me. You have something for me to do, sign me up. I'm your man. I'm your woman. Fear not the call of God. You're the kind of person he favors because, see, this is the greatest part of all this. If God picks you for a job, be it small or large, the fact of the matter is, if he's talking to you, You are favored by God. If he's talking to you, he is with you. If he's talking to you, he's for you and not against you. If he's talking to you, then he has some part for you to play in his good plan for humankind and for all creation. And someday... Some ordinary day, maybe even a Monday. Maybe even a rainy Monday. Who knows? Some very ordinary day when you least expect it. God will ask something of you. And you'll get this sense that he wants you to do something for him. And the fear will rise up in you just as it rose up in Mary. You'll be like, what, God? What are you doing to me? (laughs) And hopefully, like Mary, you'll have the heart to say, let it be done to me as you say. And hopefully you'll remember what the angel told her. Fear not, for you are the kind of person 
He favors. And he's with you. There's one thing that I know he's asking of you. One call that is universal. Every single human being on the face of this planet, God has made it abundantly clear that he wants you to follow Jesus. And Jesus gave his church the authority to issue official invitations on his behalf to come and follow Jesus. Whether you are here today and maybe you made that decision a long time ago, but you feel like you need to renew that commitment to follow Jesus, or maybe you've been resisting that call for a long time, know that this invitation comes from Jesus himself. Come and follow me. Come and follow my better way of life. Learn to live as I can teach you to live. Find peace and joy that you never thought possible. Pray with me. Father, thank you for using ordinary nobodies like us. Thank you for calling ordinary people like us. We confess that we often live in fear of what you might ask, fear of our own unworthiness, our unreadiness, our unwillingness. Holy Spirit, we want to be humble. We want to be willing. And we know, God, that there's no greater adventure than to live our lives at the beck and call of the one who formed us and fashioned us according to his goodwill. And so we lay our lives in your hands. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.